0: Uh, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll begin reading at verse 5 and read all the way through uh, to to verse 14. Um, And let me say this, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've noticed I've read it maybe a little bit differently than it's in your your Bibles. I'm actually reading the footnoted translation of the ESV, uh, because we say that if you're coming from a Christian uh, tradition or some church traditions, you will have said the Lord's Prayer a lot. Um, and said, "Hallowed be thy name." And gone. If you even thought about it, what am I saying? <clears throat> Most time when you we use words that have an ed at the end, we don't make it a hallowed. It's just like hallowed or blessed, right? It's like we're, we're using different language. And because we're, we use that uh, t- generally praying that together in church, it's continued to be translated that way. Uh, but to make sure we understand what's being said. I'm reading it from the, from the other translation to hopefully uh, help us get the sense of it and not to just fall into the uh, words of routine. Uh, so in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 5, hear the word of God. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, let your name be kept holy. The word of the Lord to us. Well, as Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, um, teaching them how to pray before God, how not to pray, that we can address God even as Father, come to him as his children, um, when he comes to this first request of what we're, what we're to be asking God, it focuses on, on God's name. As we come to God, the, the, first, the primary thing that Jesus brings that we should be asking God, praying to God about, is, is God's name. So what's in a name? Uh, what is it, why does a name matter? Why would Jesus be calling us to, to be praying about God's name? Um, what's in a name? Like names matter. Even if you, you know, whether you like your name or you don't like your name, if all of a sudden someone changed your name, you might like it, but you're, you're going to have an opinion on it, right? If all of a sudden someone's just saying, I'm going I'm to nickname you this, right? You've been around people just start calling you something else, and sometimes you like it, and sometimes you just, like, don't want to be around that person uh, anymore. Somewhere or another, names matter to us, right? Have fun sitting around with people and, and asking what their middle name is. Some people just don't want to tell you because they're not comfortable hearing that as if they were wondering what it means about us. Um, a fun story I like to tell about names. Uh, hopefully, it'll help out a little bit. But partially it's just a fun story that I like to. I tell when when uh, Karen and I got our first dog. We were thinking about getting a dog when we were in seminary. Ended up getting one. We wanted to get a golden retriever, and uh. We were on a walk one evening thinking about this dog uh, that we wanted to get and what we would name the dog, right? Cause if we're going to have a dog, what would we'll, we we'll call it? You know, we had been married a couple of years at this point. It was, it was fun to think about. And we're, you know, listing off different things. And, uh, and on the same walk, uh, both of us came up with, with really great names that we really liked. Um, uh, I came up with the name Doak, and Karen came up with the name Griffin. And both of us thought that both of those names were pretty good names. Um, but if you know, uh, if you know, Ken and I were both uh, pretty stubborn, and while we liked the other name, both of us thought the name that we came up with was uh, was the better name. So, you know, we kept talking about it. Walk in, you know, a few weeks later, we eventually find a golden retriever, buy the little puppy. He comes home. We're playing with him, and you know, a few days go by after we've had the dog, and we're we're still not decided on on the name. Right? We're down to two. So this is an impasse to get any further than this. And it's just not right for the little puppy to go around without a name, right? You've got to give the dog some kind of identity here. He needs a, he needs a name. So, so what, we, uh, what we decided to do to see if this would be helpful at all, I said, all right, um, this isn't going to be how we necessarily decide, but maybe it will help us get cast the impasse. So I took him. we'll get uh, eight sheets of paper, or eight little pieces of paper, and we write Doak on four sheets of paper, and we write Griffin on the other four sheets of paper. Fold them up, put them in a little basket, right? And then I told her, Alright, you draw four sheets of paper. Right? So it doesn't have to decide anything. Most likely you get you know, two Dokes and two griffins, nothing happens, right? So she she draws out the first name. And it's she looks at me with a little bit of a glare of frustration, right? <clears throat> but you know, there's still three more things. So she, she pulls out the next pulls out the next name out of the basket. Um, again, Doke. Sometimes she's frustrated with me, but she's starting to get frustrated with herself because now, at best, it can only tie, right? She's got to pick uh, Griffin the next two times for her name, you know, to, to be the one that comes out of it. Um, well, she picked the next two, and both of the next two said Doke. <laughs> yeah, she she's frustrated. Um, said so we didn't have to decide by that, but she eventually uh, gave, gave in, and we, we named our dog the best name we could have given it, Doke. <laughs> um, and uh, a couple weeks later, I, I remember um, Karen's mom sent us a little clipping from the, from the newspaper. Um, and, and I guess the Fort Worth newspaper or something had done something on, uh, on football stadiums, college stadiums around the country. And so uh, she, sent us, she sent us this little clipping. And the reason we picked Dope was after Dope Campbell Stadium. And so uh, there it was a uh, little you know, information about Dope Campbell Stadium, how many fans it holds and all this stuff. And then also in the article that we really weren't familiar with or, or realized um, was Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, uh, which is U.F.'s football stadium. <laughs> so uh, I, we, we weren't aware of this. We, we take that as a very kind providence uh, to avoid giving our dog, naming our dog after such a horrible place. i right? um, enjoyed having been able to name it uh, Doug. Um right we have we have certain associations uh, with a name, and I don't want the association of the, of the name of a uh, of a swamp, right uh, maybe this is kind of a trite example to kind of bring that out, but but we do care about names uh, we care about what associations they they uh, have for. us. picking names for your children, we sat there and just go on through the books, and you know it's funny because it's like names don't really mean that much to you, and yet you know read the book and it's like okay seth' you're like. No. No, there was a kid in kindergarten who, like, was the ball hog in, in my class, and I would never name my kid Seth, right? <laughs> you know, like, so why, why does that, you know, matter? But we have these associations, and it matters to us what, um, what a particular name is. Now, some cultures, the names uh, mean something. They're trying to describe the character of who someone is, or that those names will, will change as the person's character changes. But, so Jesus is telling us to, to pray about God's name, um, uh, what, what does this mean when we come to God's name? What associations uh, does, it, does it bring out? What are, what are we talking about? See, as Scripture talks about a um, name, as it talks about God's name, it's, it's always in the context of reputation. The things that you associate with the name are the reputation that you have with that. Uh, God's name isn't just like some, some title that we give and attribute that to God. It's who He is. It's who we are able to understand that He is. So as Jesus is saying for us to be praying, He's saying that we're we're praying about God's reputation uh, before us uh, and in the whole of the world. We're concerned uh, that God's glory would be known, that His name, the reputation of who He is, would be would be true and known. Uh, set apart, it would be holy. So as we as we come to prayer, as 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 you come and try to, to pray at times, as you come uh, to your Father in prayer, um, whose reputation are you concerned about? Um, like these first few requests that Jesus mentions, they're not just like the polite stuff that you're supposed to say before you get to the things that really matter about what's going on to you, like... I've got to be respectful for God, so I'm concerned about your name and your kingdom and your will. Okay, now here are the things that are going on that I, that I need. It's, it's not just like this polite things we've got to, we've got to get through first. Um, prayer is specifically Godward. And our primary focus, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Our primary focus is to be on, on God. Whose reputation are you concerned about uh, in prayer? You, um, uh, Jesus is teaching us go through it in, in three kind of parts here. You have your outline a little bit. The first, first aspect of this then in, in, in prayer and uh, praying that God's name will be kept holy uh, is knowing God's name. What are we talking about in terms of God's reputation? Uh, who is he? Knowing God's name. One of the most uh, basic and important aspects of prayer is, is exactly that. It's, it's wanting to know God desiring to have some relationship with Him where, where you know, know who He is. Um, for people coming from outside the faith, this is exactly where, where prayer begins, right? Uh, who, who is the God of the Bible? Uh, what's He like? God, God, if you're there, if you're real, let me know it. Make yourself known to me. That's, that's the starting point of where we should come in prayer. Uh, but for believers as well, we should continue to desire God. It's not like, okay, God, now I know you. Now here's the things I need you to do. Um, if we've gotten any glimpse of who got in His glory, our desire is to know Him. For, for Him to open up scriptures to us more so we see who He is, so we can depend on Him and continue to trust Him, and we would uh, know His name, His reputation. Uh, we're wanting to know God according to according to who He actually is. Right, not, just, not just left to kind of come up with our own ideas about who God is or what kind of things uh, God, might be, God might be wanting. We're really not concerned just what other people say about God. Here's the reputation that, that God has, or uh, here's how other people talk to Him or what they say. We want to know God according to who He actually is. We have a desire to interact with Him, uh, to interact with God as, as who He is. And Jesus then teaches us to pray, Let your name be kept holy. Holy, set apart, uh, sanctified, revered, respected, different ways you can translate it. Um, God's not like any other. He's above uh, and beyond all of it. Uh, Jesus teaches us to pray, let your name, O God, be kept holy. So how can we describe uh, who God is? How can we describe what what God's name is? Um, Something that's been helpful uh, to me for for understanding uh, understanding God's uh, understanding names is from uh, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings fan. Um, I've, I've, that was like the book that got me started to to read and love reading. Um, so I had to break out my little Lord of the Rings uh, copy here. Um, to just read part, you know that when uh, in the Two Towers, Gary and Pippin, and two of the hobbits, are going uh, into Fanghorn Forest. You don't need to know any of this, but this is the, uh, this is the context of it. Um, and As they go deeper into Fanghorn Forest, they meet a very uh, interesting creature. Uh, they meet an ant. They meet the ant. Um, and this is, this is what he says, that they're trying to, to, to figure out who he is, and they've never seen anyone like this, and they're, they're asking him uh, who he is. Um, and he's made known to him that he's he's an int. Uh, and they say an int. said, Mary, what's that? What do you call yourself? What's your real name? Right? Wh- what do you call yourself? What's, who are you really? What's your real name? They ask him. Um, and Treebeard, how now? Replied uh, Treebeard. How how? Who now did you would be telling? Uh, how now that would be telling? Not so hasty. Right, uh, and, I'm, and I am doing the asking. You're in my country. So he starts talking about who they are, who are, who are these hobbits, right? And it comes back uh, a little bit later. as They've told him uh, their name. Um, he replies to him and says, I'll call you Mary and Pippin if you please. Those are nice names. Uh, For I'm not going to tell you my name. He says, not, not yet at any rate. And it says a queer, half-knowing, half-humorous look came with a green flicker in his eyes. Um, For one thing, it would take a long while, he says. My name is growing all the time, and I've lived a very long, long time. So my name is like a story. Real names, he says, tell you the story of things they belong to in my language, in the language of old Intish, as you might say. It's a lovely language because it takes a very long time to say anything in it, and because we do not say anything in it unless it's worth taking a long time to say and to listen to. All right, what's he saying? And they're asking his, him his name, and he, he tells them, you know, he tells them people call him Treebeard, but when they say, what do you call yourself, what's your real name? He says, listen, to, to tell you to tell you my name would be to tell you everything of who I am. Uh, and I've been around a long time, so I can't just sum it up for you. It would, it would miss something of who I am. If it's really his name and his reputation of who he is, that there's much more to it than that. Um, uh, to talk about God's name would be like that, way beyond what it would be like for Treebeard the Ent, um, whose cousin, by the way, I believe lives at the uh, Rue Bottoms place, the back of their pool. There's still an Ent still an over there. Go, go see it. Go see it. Um, uh, to talk about God's name is the story of all that he's done, right? Theologically we talk about the incomprehensibility of God, that he's, he's so far beyond us we're never able to completely wrap our mind around who he is and his infin- infiniteness, um, yet we're still able to know him. And we're able to know God because he does take the time to tell us about himself, to tell us something of, of who he is. Um, if you have your Bible, flip over to, to a few passages, flip over to, to Exodus chapter 3. Um we have Moses asking God what his name is. You can see uh, the way that God re- responds in verses 3 to 13. You know, Moses is, is out taking care of, uh, of his father-in-law's uh, flock, and he sees, this, he sees this bush in the distance. Um, so we call it the burning bush. Uh, i others refer to it as the unburning bush, because the thing about it is it's, here's all these flames all around it, but the, the bush isn't being consumed. The, the leaves aren't burning. The wood's not getting charred. Moses goes over to it, and the Lord uh, speaks to him, tells him the place that he stands is is holy ground, right? Uh, Because he's in God's presence, who is holy. And then he tells these things to Moses, and Moses uh, says to him, if I'm going to go back to the people of Israel, they're going to ask me, what's his name? It's over in verse 13. They're going to say, what is his name? What shall I say to them? This is how God answers Moses about what his name is. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus am I to be remembered throughout all generations. Right, his name can't just be contained in like some some phrase or some word or some thing that he's similar to some characteristic, and then we just call that a god. He's he's beyond that. So he says, "Listen, my name is I am who I am. It's, it's all that I am, and and not tied by any things that's beyond uh, beyond everything else. I am who I am. Uh, there's there's not enough that can compare to him or some other thing that can be known. He's holy." He's set apart from it. He's distinct above all things, right? We can understand that in one sense simply from the fact that he's a creator. Um, and whatever things that he's created, he's not kind of like that. They've come from him. You can't just compare it backwards. He says, I am who I am. Still, we can know God because he tells us about himself. Uh, he tells uh, Moses about himself and the people of Israel and how he's faithful to promises that he's made even to their fathers. But, but several chapters later in, in Exodus, if you'll go with me over to, to chapter 33 and 34, you have God telling even even more of his name. Um, Exodus chapter uh, 33, Moses is, is praying uh, to God. In verse 18, he says, Show me your glory, uh, is Moses' prayer. So... so really a model prayer for, for what we're talking about. Uh, praying to God, show me your glory. Show me uh, who you really are. Um, even if we're praying it as a challenge uh, to God, and if we've seen the context of the passage, it's a prayer that God likes to answer. God, show me, show me your glory. Show me who you really are. He recognizes that God's name is beyond us, that His glory, but he desires it, desires uh, to know God more as God uh, answer him. He says, Show me your glory. And God says, I will proclaim uh, to you my name. Um, uh, he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Be gracious to whom I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Uh, But he says, you can't see my face, for no one can see me and live, right? So he tells him, I'm going to place you in the side of the rock, and I'm going to pass before you, but I'm going to cover it. And so I'm going to proclaim my name as I pass, and you'll you'll then be able to see on my back. You'll have some sense of who God is and his glory, even though it's not all something that we can contain. And so chapter 34 uh, tells tells of that happening. Uh, begins to record that event. Moses takes the, the tablets and he goes up on Mount Sinai to meet with God. Uh, God covers, um, and been, uh, at this point, covering over the, the cleft of the rock. And it says in verse 5 of 34, The Lord descended in the cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. God telling us who he is. Um, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed... The Lord, or I am, right? Uh, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, in steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Uh, he's, he's telling us who he is, uh, telling us part of the glory of his name. Well, we, we get that picture of Moses getting to see. This is the this is verbal representation of the glory of God that Moses is getting to, to see, if you will. So not how we think of God. Uh, is this the kind of God that, you, that, you're, that you're praying to, that you're understanding of God who uh, forgives equally transgressions, sin, uh, but who is still a just God? Doesn't clear the guilty, but deals with what's wrong. And I want you to especially get the context of this. I know I don't usually take you to a lot of other passages here, but you get the context of what's happening in Exodus thirty-three, or what's happened just before this. God's now revealing to us who He is in His glory. Um, Exodus chapter thirty-two, right before this, is the golden calf. Here's, here are God's people. Moses is up with God on the mountain. They haven't heard from him for a while. They they're not sure what to do. They say, "All right, well, let's let's make a let's make a, let's get all our gold together and make this make this uh, image uh, out of that gold of a of a cow, of a calf, and let's let's worship let's worship the Lord through this idol through this image of the golden calf. Right? and that's what they do. And uh, God tells Moses what's happening. sends Moses down, uh, he's furious. God sends a plague on the people until uh, Moses intercedes. Uh, <coughs> uh, Moses intercedes for them, um, and uh, and then in chapter thirty-three, God is saying, "Okay, I'm still going to fulfill my promises to you. i uh, go to the promised land, but I'm not going with you." Right? He's like, "If this is the kind of people you are, I'm not going with you." That's the that's the if you want to say the threat, that he, that's the words he says uh, to Moses, Moses intercedes. This is, this is where uh, his show me your glory comes in. He says, God, you have to go with us. If you don't go with us, there's no point in us going. He even says, how will the other nations know who you are except that you've attached yourself to your people? Come with us I'll show us your glory. And it's an answer to that that God says, I will. I will answer, I will answer your prayer. I will show you my glory and I will go with you. If you look again at verse, uh, chapter 34, after God has proclaimed uh, his name uh, before Moses, it says, Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the middle of us. And look at this reason why. Please let the Lord go in the middle of us because, for it's a stiff-necked people. To uh, rebellious people and pardon our iniquity as our, and our sin and take us for your inheritance. Um, in this context is showing that God is revealing himself and his glory to, to who? To sinful people. The so people who don't deserve for God's presence to be anywhere near them or to be uh, going, uh, going with them. Um, it's particularly because of our sin that we, that we need God with us, and it shows that He's a holy, perfect God showing His character particularly in this, uh, in loving His sinful people. I' take you a, a little bit further then, flip. Off. We, we see even more of, of God's, God's name, of who God is, His reputation um, in Jesus and his son. John 1 describes Jesus as the Word of God, as the revelation of God, the revelation from God of who, who God is. Uh, verse 14 of chapter 1 says that it describes Him as the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, that as a communication from God, bearing the very uh, the exact glory of God, He lives with us. Uh, he He dwells present with a sinful people. Which is, how does this make any, any sense? Uh, God Himself and Jesus came into the sinful world to be with us even though we would want to ignore him. Right? That's the context of John 1, that they don't want to see the light, they don't want to acknowledge him even though he comes to his own, um, but still he makes himself known. Verse 18 even says uh, that no one has ever seen God. Right? How can we know God's name? No one has ever seen God. But the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. If you look at John 17, on the, the eve of Jesus' betrayal uh, leading to death, Jesus is praying, I glorify your Son. It says this in verse 3, it says, this is eternal life. Uh, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. In verse 6, Jesus describes the work that Jesus has done. He describes it this way. He says, this is what I've done. I have manifested your name to the people whom you've given me out of the world. So as Jesus is teaching us to pray, let your name be holy, he's saying that's the very work that he that he has compelled of what Jesus is, is manifesting God's name uh, to the world, manifesting God's name uh, to us. How did Jesus make God's name known? How was Jesus' uh, how is Jesus's Glory as the very glory of God seen, like supremely and climactically, in His death and resurrection, as He hung on the cross, the the, the perfect God, now as a man, in the place of wicked, sinful people, a perfect God as a man, willing to suffer uh, from evil sinners, uh, suffer on on behalf of evil sinners who hate Him. All right, justice and mercy are coming together to show God's glory. This is is why God's name is is holy. This is why God's name is set apart. It's beyond all because there's nothing so beautiful as that. Uh, There's nothing so beyond our thought or comprehension uh, as that. There's nothing so amazing, uh, incomprehensible, and supreme than that a God who is beyond us and who has every right to ignore us and every right to destroy us would come to us, would come to us in love and take all of our ugliness, all of our shame, all of our guilt, and himself be punished for us. that He could take us to Himself and take us as His inheritance and be with us and us be with Him. Uh, This is the glory of who our God is. This is the glory of the Gospel. This is the glory of who Christ has come into the world to show us uh, God's name. This is why God's name is holy. That's why we sing uh, amazing love, right? How can it be that Thou, my God, would die for me? Oh, we still wonder at it. We can't get over uh, the beauty of God's name, of who He is, of what He's done. And this is why you want to know God. It's why we have some uh, desire. Whether you do know Him or not, this is why. This it's because He loves the unlovely. Uh, he loves people who don't deserve it, who, who, whose lives are messed up, who do stuff that God hates. And He comes to us in love and takes all the cost of it on Himself. To keep, to keep God's name holy is what we're, what we're praying for. And to keep God's name holy, we need to know why it should be revered, but we also need to know how. Um, how we're supposed to uh, be revering it, uh, or keeping it holy. And then the next few points will be more brief on. Uh, but the second point is, is, is this bearing God's name? Uh, first, knowing God's name, knowing who God really is, but also uh, bearing God's name. Uh, uh, those that, that know God, and know God in Christ and trust Him, bear His name. That's why, why people are called Christians. Old Testament Israel was is called God's people. New Testament Christians are His church, are His people. In the Bible, in the Bible God particularly shows His reputation uh, like this by how He relates to His people. He shows His reputation who He is through His people, through Christians, through church now. Yeah. Given his name to represent him, all right. Christ tells his followers that they're made his witnesses. They're just showing who he is. Um, And and what's needed in prayer is that those who who bear God's name would show how God is holy. They would show how God's name should be revered. Um, Now, if you're following along with me here, you're kind of thinking, right? Well, Christians don't really have the uh, the best reputation. God themselves, right, on the campus or in America, uh, you know, you're thinking, that, well, that wasn't the best plan of God to come up with, right, that I'm going to show who I am by these people that are stiff-necked people that aren't, that aren't very good, but at least at this point you can realize that the prayer is needed for this, right? Um, God specifically tied his name to his people, representing him to the world or his witnesses, um, I think we all know uh, Jeff Gibbons was uh, was around uh at state a few years ago. Um, he cracks me up, a lot of a lot of funny things. But if you, you remember on Facebook, at least the home, I don't know if it's still there, the top friends application. The top friends application is still there. It used to be on like the main page as you look at stuff. And if you go to Jeff Gibbons uh, uh, top friends page and you you look at or just Facebook's profile, you look at his top friends. Um you know, Jeff Gibbons, Jeff Gibbons, Jeff Gibbons, Jeff Givens. <laughs> right, like he befriended all these other Jeff Gibbons uh you know on Facebook so that all his top friends are our I name mean, Jeff Givens. I'm right? But um but I've looked at that before and gone, oh, that's funny I laughed for a while and I was like, But wait, what if what if one of them befriended one of Jeff's friends and then as you like get on and you're just looking at the the news feed it says, You know, Jeff Gibbons da 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 like like whatever they're doing, they're they're now representing Jeff Gibbons, they share the same name, right? Um, or maybe you've just, you know, left your, uh, left your Facebook account logged in as you walked away from your computer trusting people before and as someone else typed interesting things in on your Facebook status, uh, all of a sudden it affects how you're represented, right? All right, point. We, we bear God's name and we're affecting how, uh, how he's representing. Um, Christians affect God's reputation. Um, uh, so so, so how, does all that, how does all that work? I think the tendency is for, um, for Christians to think, okay, we've got to be, if we're representing who God is, then we've got to be as amazing as God is, right? That's our, that's our goal. That's what we've got to try to be doing. And God says be holy as I'm, as I'm holy. There's a, there's a certain correctness to that. But then what happens, right? We, we're not. Uh, we can't do it. So what we try to do is we just try to cover over all our mistakes. We're representing God, so if we, if we did something that wasn't consistent with God, we've got to cover that up, right? We've got to hide it. So we've got to pretend that we really are doing pretty good, at least that we're better than a lot of these other people around us, so they see something good enough that reflects, reflects God, right? Um, that's why I think Christians are often called hypocrites. I only have the reputation of being hypocrites. I think it works in an entirely uh, different fashion. Um, the, the, the fact that God has still loved me. Look, here's my sin. Here's how I messed up. And God still called me his child. Um, look, here's all my attempts at successes and how far I shall, fall short. And really, I'm probably a lot worse than whatever it is you're into. And God's taken me as his own. And he offers it out to others. In Luke 8, 18, Jesus tells a parable about prayer, about two people praying, the, uh, the self-righteous uh, religious leader uh, who prays, uh, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men, right? And then there's the, the tax collector, the sinner, uh, you know, in, in the corner praying only this, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that the second man went home, so went down to his house, uh, justified because um, he humbles himself, so we show God's glory not by hiding our sins and hiding our failures, but by showing uh, that we have a God who loves us in our sins, uh, in our failures, in our transgressions, who deals with our problems and still loves us. That's holy. That's set apart. That's not like anything else that we know. Oh, that's beautiful beyond belief. Oh, that's what we want to be able to to show as we bear. Uh, God's name, um, it's by showing we have a God who loves us in our sins and failures, just like the Israelites after the golden calf. Is when God proclaims His name to them that He will go with them, though it's undeserved. bear God's name, as sinners redeemed by His mercy, as the undeserving who've been shown love. But even with all our issues, all our problems. Um, <coughs> Uh, we, we can't cause God to throw, it, throw us off. We can't cause God to reject us. He's a God who has steadfast love and faithfulness to his promise. That's his name. He rejected and punished his son instead so that we could receive his love, uh, to become his inheritance. That's how we keep God's name holy by showing how much we, uh, we need him, um, how much he's given himself even to us. Um, And so just to hit the last point, then, from sharing God's name to sharing uh, God's name briefly, I want to mention how God's name comes to to others. Because sadly, God doesn't always have the uh, the best reputation. He doesn't have the best reputation on the campus uh, or in America. uh, Even even if we think he exists um, and we think that he's, he's not unknowable, a lot of people think, well, God probably doesn't like me. God doesn't want me. Doesn't approve of what I'm doing. I wouldn't accept uh I wouldn't accept my prayers. Um, I think it's it's sad to, to realize how much that's true. Um, we need to pray that God's name would be revered. Um, just that, that people would have some condemnation for not realizing how great God's name is and they don't respect him enough. Uh but, but pray that they would know a God who offers love to them. Uh the way we show We show how God treats us is how we show his name, and and also how we treat others. Right? That we would be people who show love to the undeserving. Right? That we would be covering sin and blame. Right? That we would be just and also forgiving and merciful. That we would care for the weak. We would care for those who are hurting. We would care for the poor and the needy. Because this is who our God is. Uh, I was reading Tim, starting in Tim Keller's book on uh, generous justice. And he talks about God even describing himself as a, as a father for the fatherless. Um, so we should be reflecting those aspects of God's, uh, of God's name as we, as we share it with others. Maybe the focus of what Jesus is saying is on prayer. Um, you know, we've hidden a lot of different passages there, but I hope you've been able to glimpse a little bit of, of what's in a name, uh, what's in God's name glory beyond all belief and a loving God that takes us in our sin our justice, mercy and fullness of love have you been able to get a picture of what it looks like for you to keep it, to keep God's name to, to, to revere it and even to share it with others but still the focus is on prayer Jesus teaches to pray whose reputation are you concerned with as you come to God in prayer let it primarily be this. Uh, Give this glory of God's beautiful name of a holy God who loves sinners in Jesus. Everything else will fall into place from that. There's nothing more important for any of us uh, than this. And if we love God, if we've experienced God's love, uh, this is the deep longing of our hearts. Uh, to pray, let your name, O oh God, be seen as holy. Well, let's pray. Let's blessing. Us. Lord, we would pray that you would help us to know who you are and that you would glorify your name in us, all of our ugliness and messed up mistakes, that we would be willing to share that to others, how we're really not great, but how we still have a good God who takes care of us, that you would even help us to share that to others. Lord, you are glorious. We thank you in Christ that we can come to you as our Father. We pray in his name. Amen.